Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist. I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. I wanted to talk a little bit about why I used to think that I had dissociative identity disorder. And there's, from what I've read, there's not a lot of great consensus on what that actually means, like what dissociative identity disorder really is or how it should be described. And some of this I'm reading on, well, I am, I'm reading this on Wikipedia. And so um, that's where I'm getting this information. And interpersonal problems is one of the risk factors of um, dissociative identity disorder, which by the way, I'm going to call DID. I'm just going to say DID. Because that's like a really long term, in my opinion. Um, So some of the symptoms of this, I'll just read some of this. At least two distinct and relatively enduring personality states. And so I want to point out, I never thought that I had multiple personalities. I felt that I had a lot of um, ways of communicating with different groups of people and presenting myself very differently which I think a lot of times that can feel like multiple personalities but and you know maybe even people saying who are you you know what I mean um so somebody's saying you hang out with this group of people and then this group and this group and you present yourself so differently and I've talked about this before not too long ago where I think a lot of that um it was almost a lack of self-confidence, but and not even always that, but I think a lot of times a lack of knowing who I was and what I wanted to be and who how I wanted to present myself or what my goals were or what my interests were. I think a lot of times when you're lacking those things, you just kind of blow with the wind. You're just wandering through life. Um, but I, I definitely struggled with that for a very long time. I would say 50% of my my years after high school. So, you know, from the age of 18 to 24, uh, I struggled with that quite a bit. And I really didn't come into my own until I went to massage therapy school. And that gave me a lot of boundaries. That gave me things to do and to not do. And a license to uphold, you know, a massage license. And, you know, having a particular career um that really helped a lot with squelching this squashing this um problem which again i always thought i had dissociative identity disorder or possibly borderline personality disorder but it wasn't until i was diagnosed with complex ptsd that it all kind of made sense but some so some of the symptoms um recurring episodes of dissociative amnesia inexplicable intrusions into consciousness, like voices, intrusive thoughts, impulsive, trauma-related beliefs. Um, I've never heard voices, but I definitely have trauma-related beliefs, I would think. Alterations in sense of self. That's probably the biggest thing. And then there's depersonalization and derealization. Intermittent functional neurological symptoms, emotion and behavior dysregulation. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but alterations in sense of self, yeah, I would definitely 
say that I struggled with that for quite a long time. And there were multiple reasons for that. But I wanted to kind of describe a little bit of something I would do that would show an example of this. So um, I would say feelings of worthlessness and then an hour later being on a high, feeling exactly opposite of that. And maybe in a state of complete chronic depression, spontaneously, something I would have done when I was 21 would just be getting in my car and driving to St. Louis and just going to any club just to party, um, you know, see if friends that lived around there could go and probably a lot of times texting them first and then, you know, going with them. But just very spur of the moment. Um, And you might say, well, a lot of people do that and they don't have a problem like this. And that's true. But are they doing it necessarily in the same mindset? So for me, it would be very, um, very much avoiding dealing with something that was really causing me a lot of emotional pain. Um, and feeling like two different people, like that was the big problem for me is I would feel like two different people. And again, I I wouldn't say that it felt like multiple personalities. I just felt like here's this person and now here's this person. And, you know, here's, here's this version of me. And now here's this version of me. And at the end of it, I would say feeling exhausted and feeling like a loss of identity. So after going out and partying with those friends, or even if I were to go alone, I just go to the club and go home with somebody, um, feeling at the end of it very much disorganized um, or like wondering who I was, I would say that that would be, that would be very, very common. Um, having a feeling of not knowing who I am to the point of eventually that leading to going into a therapy appointment for feelings of hopelessness. And so, you know, it's not a typical, oh, he just went out and partied and met somebody. If something's leading to a state of hopelessness and, you know, thoughts of harming yourself, and then you have to go see a therapist about it, I would say that there's something different going on there. Um, so that's where a lot of that came from feeling, uh, the, I, I just always felt like that was the right term for it, dissociative disorder, identity disorder. But depersonalization, which I've also talked about on here before, which this is one of the symptoms, depersonalization, and I'm reading this from Wikipedia, it can consist of a detachment within self regarding one's mind or body or being a detached observer of oneself. Subjects feel they have changed and that the world has become vague, dreamlike, less real, lacking in significance or being outside reality while looking in. It can be described as feeling like one is is on autopilot and that the person's sense of individuality or selfhood has been hindered or suppressed. Um, Yeah, I would say sometimes I feel that way too, but um, again, the DID, I just felt like that was always a better term because I really did feel like I was... Again, until I went to massage school, 
and I felt like I finally had an identity within my career. Um, I definitely felt very uh, lost. Yeah, very uh, disorganized. And I wanted to read a little bit more um, from that short story. And so if you don't want to hear the short story, you can just turn this off now. But I'm just going to go ahead and read it because I, I wrote more and I wanted to share it. And I'm almost done with it. And so this is all about the perspective. And again, I'm not starting at the beginning here. I started at the beginning on the last episode. So you'd have to listen to the last episode. But I'm... It's all about the perspective of a newlywed who's in five months into her marriage. But the night that they married, she was physically attacked by her husband. Um, And this character is based off of the character in my play, and her name is Lindsay, and the play was called Blurred Lines. And so this is Lindsay. Um, At the end of the play, she stays with the husband. And her brother realizes that he has complex PTSD. And so, and what happened is the, this, uh, this attack happened and the brother talked about it with his therapist. And that's how they realized that, um, one alcohol plays a big role in their family, but two, um, abuse is accepted and three, um, This attack is just sort of what opened up her brother's eyes. Her brother's name is Alex in the play. And that's what opened up his eyes. And then finally getting diagnosed with complex PTSD. But you're not getting Alex's version here. You're getting the sister, Lindsay's version. So her perspective of her world. And staying in this marriage and why she's doing it. And... um. So I'm just going to read some more of this. And this is about two pages single spaced. So again, if you don't, if you're not here to listen to that, then, um, but it's all about trauma and um, long-term abuse and sort of a lot, you know, what you can look like when you come from that. Because a lot of people who come from trauma stay in abusive situations like Lindsay. So this again is picking up where the other one left off and the other one left off on, um, Lindsay talking about her new life and wondering what her brother's up to and her ex-boyfriend and talking about her, technically her grandma. So her dad's mother, whose name is Margaret, her dad's mother um, had him at a young age. So her parents adopted him. So that made her father's mother his adopted sister, if that makes any sense to you. Um, so growing up, her father's adopted sister was his mom. And so it, it created an interesting dynamic there. Um, but I'm going to keep reading here. And that's not what the whole play is about, by the way. That's just an aspect of what the dad, the dad is like. Um, so I'm just going to keep reading I had only known John for about four months before we got married. The past ten years of my life I've been from one man to another. Like I said, I always wanted to be nothing like my mother. She would never take the time to enjoy herself with men. She would never do that. 
She just caters to my dad all her life. My problem was the men I met never stuck around. I have two kids, my first when I was 19 and my second when I was 29. I managed to marry my second child's dad, Kenny. But like I said, I tend to follow Aunt Margaret's trait of dating men who care more about drugs and alcohol and their friends and sometimes guys in organized crime. But I always got a thrill from that. Kenny and I divorced about two years ago. He ended up getting into a little too much trouble and I eventually got tired of that. That's the problem, see? You take a path in life of rebelling because you don't want to be like somebody, in my case, my mom, but you don't know where exactly that will lead you because all you're doing is trying to be the opposite of something, something that wasn't good for me or my brother. On the day I married John, which was about five months ago, by the way, I thought it would all be great. Finally, someone making the same amount of income as I do Someone who doesn't chase substances or get into trouble and someone who I thought would be stable. Little did I know, his stability comes with a bit of anger. Something I honestly hadn't really seen in this particular way before. I've always fought with the guys I am with, but John is different. Almost a bit more quiet and reserved. Not as carefree or laid back as what I usually go for. But when we married... The day was fine. It wasn't until the bartender, my friend Marcus, met John did things start to go downhill. I didn't think much of it at the time. Marcus and I have known each other for years, but we never dated. We were close a few times, but that was years ago and nothing ever came of it. We're just good friends who have had a lot of fun together. He's kind of like T-Rav or Kenny, except it didn't turn into a relationship more just a fun friendship. I didn't realize it until after the attack that this is what John was set off about. He didn't like Marcus being at the wedding reception. Like I said, John can be a bit of a bull in a china shop. I didn't see it coming regarding Marcus. The the passion with John is real, and that's something I was looking for, but to what expense? I'll admit I normally think I can get a guy to do what I want. Having said that, my past relationships have failed. My bullheadedness usually reigns supreme in regards to my relationships. It's my way or the highway, and that's the only way with me. I remember the night of the wedding. We went to several bars afterwards. We had our entourage in the limo. My brother Alex was one of the groomsmen, and he was enjoying his beer and spending time with Marcus who was in the limo too. John seemed quiet and his other groomsmen could tell something was wrong. It wasn't clicking with me that John was jealous of Marcus being with us. By the time the bar hopping ended, Alex was passed out drunk in the back of the limo. It wasn't long after that John attacked me while we were alone. I had to go to the emergency room for a busted eardrum. I didn't let Alex see me. He had apparently been woken up in the back of a friend's car with Marcus, being told I was in there in the ER at the hospital. My cousin told me he was still, Alex was still intoxicated from last night, and when he had heard what had happened to me, he cried and he said, this happened because of how we grew up. I'll have to admit, I was always the person to look out for Alex growing up. 
To make a long story short, here I am today. Five months in and John has, has not hurt me again. He knows my, my dad's mom, Margaret, does not like the situation. And my brother stopped talking to everyone on mom's side of the family. My dad calls John sometimes and they ramble on about sports, races, the Indy 500 or golf. John has mentioned a few times that my dad likes to talk about himself a lot, which John points out to him and I don't think my dad likes that. My dad has an illness that some people question is actually real or not and John thinks my dad is being sneaky about it. I don't know what you call that when someone is lying about an illness, Munchausen or something. But my dad rambles about his illness every time you talk to him. Who knows, John still thinks he's he's lying about it. My oldest kid thinks my marriage to John is strange. She's not used to somebody like him. She's always seen the guys like T-Rav. John is a whole other situation. I'm giving John a chance and I want it to work. He can be a bit boring sometimes. I'm used to a guy who is more spontaneous. John gives me attention, but again, I don't know if it's the, for the right reasons. If John thinks he can control me in any way, he's got another thing coming. If he tries to do what he did on our wedding night, I might just hit him back. I won't be like mom. Never just sit around and cater to some guy. My Aunt Lucy called the other day and asked what had happened after the wedding. She's Margaret's sister, and I think she knows something bad happened that night. My dad doesn't like her because she drinks and enjoys it, something he cannot do. She's my dad's aunt. She also calls my dad out when my dad's being a baby. My dad rants about her sometimes to John, and John sides with him, which he loves. John thought Aunt Lucy was being nosy by asking so many questions when she called. Mom doesn't care for Aunt Lucy either. She never has her at her house since Dad gets annoyed by her. Lucy is a bit of a truth serum, you see, and Mom doesn't like her her own denial being exposed. Someone who calls it like it is isn't wanted in a home that functions off of denial and making sure to never expose what the real problem is. I'm like that too, like Aunt Lucy. I tend to call it what it is. I have to make sure my marriage doesn't end up like that, like mom and dad. It's my second marriage and I won't get divorced again. I won't admit defeat. I'll find an even playing field with John, whether he likes it or not. I can manage it. Men are all the same. I'll find a way to get Alex back. I'll get Marcus over here too, whether John likes it or not. My only concern is, who's the bigger bull? John or my dad. So that's more of what I have. And then I just have one more section to write. And that's the, uh, that's the short story. Um, but it's all about her perspective and where she's going. So it's all the, the one, the wonder, I guess you could say, um, you know, what's going to happen next, because at the end of it, I'm not going to, you know, say what's going to happen because Lindsay doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, so it's left open to the reader to wonder what's going to happen. So that's how the short story is going to end, which I'll probably do tomorrow. Um, but I wanted to share a little bit of that. Um, cause again, when you come from trauma and sometimes when you try to be the opposite, 
of maybe a mom who enabled abuse growing up, like Lindsay is doing in this story. And then you try to be the opposite of that. A lot of times it can end up like your path can end up not working out, trying to do things in the opposite way. But that doesn't mean that there's another option. You know, it's just a matter of finding a um, healthier route rather than just being the opposite. Because in Lindsay's case, she's turning into her mom, even though she's not admitting it. You know, she's staying with an abusive male who is a lot like her dad because she says he's like a bull in a china shop. Um, it's because there's something fundamentally flawed and dangerous about him. Um, and so she's kind of stuck in a world where she's not sure what to do. And I think a lot of people with complex PTSD and abuse and um, people coming from trauma, that's exactly what happens. So, you know, this is Lindsay's little short story here. Um, but I wanted to share that. And again, just share a little bit about, I think, some key differences when you're, you know, young and going out and doing certain things. The mentality and your thinking and the way you're doing it, I think, are very different from a typical person. And the thing and what it can lead to, like I said, seeing a therapist for major, major horrible thoughts. Um, I think that's different than what a lot of other people might experience doing the exact same thing, but with a different mentality. So that's all that I had for this evening. This is the Complex PTSD guy signing off.